this was a team I thought that our fan base could really get behind and be proud of. Welcome into the Scarlet Shootaround podcast, following the beat of Husker basketball. Here are your hosts, Blake and Mike. Nebraska shows fight on the road, but ultimately falls to Illinois, 87 to 84 in overtime. Hello, everybody, and welcome in again to the Scarlet Shooter on podcast. My name is Blake here with co-host Mike, and I made the long trek out to Champaign, came so close to sweet, sweet, sweet victory, Mike, and finally could have got the road monkey off of our back. But we still continue in search of that elusive road win. Yeah, still, still looking for it. Definitely. Thought we had it, you know, I was disappointed with the end of the first half, but then had to realize we were up to on the road against a great team in Illinois and was pretty happy about that. And then um, obviously the end of the, the end of the game was a mess and suddenly I didn't think we had it because we were down 10 and then we clawed back and then overtime and absolute roller coaster, but couldn't be more proud of the guys for, as you said, they showed a lot of fight. I think it's a couple games in a row now, you know, been down double digits to some really solid opponents and they found a way to uh to claw back and in both instances i guess force overtime um different results obviously between the wisconsin and, and illinois game but uh yeah real real proud of the guys and the, the heart and the effort they showed in this one and there's a lot to get to both what we could control and some things maybe we could not control in this game that we're going to break down um, but let's start with things that we can control mike tomanaga Went for a staggering 31-3-3, going 9-14 of from the field. Hits five of his seven three-point attempts. Very nice welcome back game from Kese. And some of the shots that he made were absolutely bonkers. That's, I mean, a classic Kese game. I feel like we'd been waiting for one for a while. Obviously, he just hadn't hadn't had a good stretch of games recently. But um, he got it started early and often and super efficient. You know, 9-14. for And um, I think that's a new career high. Uh, for him so and then he added eight free throws and we needed obviously every single one of the free throws you know when you're forcing OT every every point matters so great performance from him uh couldn't couldn't be more proud love to see it I know you know he's kind of the face of the program a little bit um and and everyone loves when he pops off like that you mentioned free throws Mike Nebraska went 14 of 14 for a hundred percent numbers from the free throw line and I don't know when the last time especially in the Hoiberg era, we've ever even come close to doing that. So that was obviously a very nice thing to see. Rink Mast complimented Tomonaga well in the pick and pop game, going for 22, 6, and 2, 8 of 21 from the field for him. So a lot of shot attempts, goes 4 of 9 from deep. Played pretty well without fouling against a really physical uh, Illinois team, Mike. And again, that two game uh, that he was running with Casey really stood out in this one. Yeah, really stood out. You know, I think. I feel like he looked a little rushed um, inside. You know, you mentioned he went eight for 21 and, and four or nine from beyond the arc. So, you know, he's four of 12 um, from two, which just isn't quite what, uh, you know, I've come to expect from, from mass. I feel like he's pretty, pretty money at those, you know, little jump hooks. So to see him miss a couple, this game was a little, little off, but you know, overall great game. You need, we needed, you know, another score to step up. It couldn't just be Kese. Uh, you know, a couple great games from, from rink in a row now. Um, he's really putting together a pretty solid second half of the season. Juwan Gary comes back with force. Mike has a double-double going 12, 11, and 4. 4 of 5 from the field, hits all four of his free throw attempts. It is amazing how big of a difference, especially on the glass. And we'll get to that later. Nebraska still didn't do great on the glass, but how much different it looks, even with Juwan Gary on the floor. It's night and day. You know, he brings a, especially I feel like on the offensive end, I feel like, 
Um, you know, we, we tend to send, you know, three guys back. We're not really chasing after offensive boards, but it seems like if there's one person chasing it down, it's always Juwan Gary, the dude, you know, he elevates, he's in the right spot. He's, you know, obviously an incredible athlete. Um, but his positioning and the way he just reads the ball off the rim is, is really something special. You know, the double double, like you mentioned, uh, incredible game from him. It seems like that calf isn't bothering him so much anymore. So knock on wood that he'll he'll uh, remain healthy the rest of the season. CJ Wiltshire cools off going for two, two and one going one of six from the field did not hit any of his three three point attempts. A little bit of a cool off game. The defense really zoned in on him. Mike, I noticed chasing him around, giving him almost the Casey Tomonaga treatment. So Look, you're never going to shoot 55% consistently from three-point. That's imaginary land. But Casey going off really kind of helped offset anything Wiltshire uh, did or did not do. That being said, had Wiltshire just made one of them, we might be talking about a different result today. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we would. And obviously, as you said, you can't shoot that percentage over the course of a season. You know, you're going to have cool-down games. You're going to have games where it's just not quite fallen. Um, it's not that his shots looked bad. You know, he, he still... Um, ended up with a couple points, you know, he didn't make a three, which, which is unfortunate, but yeah, as you mentioned, you know, they were putting Shannon jr. On him. They had some pretty athletic guys guarding him in his pocket the whole game. You know, I feel like every time one of our shooters is coming around the screen, they're getting pulled, which I, you know, I don't want to speak on officiating because it happens on both ends. I'm sure we do it too, but very physical game. And I don't know if that's leads to CJ not having the typical game we've been seeing from him or just like you said, you know, one of those off nights, but um, yeah, it's a good, it's a good thing that case at least popped off. Otherwise this would have been a very different story. I think um, in the post game. Then uh, rounding out the players, Bryce Williams went for seven, three and one going three of 12 from the field, hitting one of his five three point attempts. He missed a couple layups down low, Mike. I know that's kind of your, your little annoyance when you miss the bunnies, but really what sticks out to me, Mike, and I mentioned it in the last episode, is Bryce Williams only had three rebounds. And when we're getting killed on the glass and you look for not people at fault necessarily, but where there's a ton of improved ceiling, if you will, you got to look at Bryce Williams first. And having three rebounds against a really physical, good rebounding Illinois team probably is not going to cut it. I, and I think you're spot on. I know, as you mentioned, we're not going to single anybody out, but we know that Bryce is definitely has it in him to grab seven, eight boards a game. And you look on the other side of, of Ty Rogers, you know, he's, he's a guard and he pulled down 14 rebounds for Illinois. And I think Frank, that's just kind of unacceptable. I don't, I see no reason why a guard should end up with 14 rebounds, five of them on the offensive side. So that's just a lack of awareness, a lack of boxing out um, fundamentals. I uh, hate my lack of fundamentals, whether it's bunnies or, or not boxing out, but we, we needed a little bit more work on the glass, um, you know, story of the season on the road so far. And Fred has kind of keyed in on two of the big metrics that go into Nebraska winning or losing, especially on the road, those being turnovers and rebounding. He had a comment to share about that in the postgame press conference. As I told him in the locker room, now we know we can do it. And you're playing one of the top teams in the country on their home floor in an unbelievable environment. And you have a chance to win. You have a lead with under five seconds to go in regulation, even though we got uh, out-rebounded by 17. And that's, that's the, the theme for us. We've talked a lot about taking care of the basketball and rebounding. And when we do both, we generally win. When we take care of one, we're in a close game, like we were tonight. If we get beaten both and we turn it over and give up offensive rebounds, uh, we get it handed to us. So, And in this one, Mike, the Huskers took care of one of the two two keys, only turning it over nine times and having 12 assists. So actually a rare positive ratio on that side for the Huskers. But as we saw again, 17 offensive rebounds and losing the rebounding battle by 17 total. I think we gave Illinois 50 total rebounds. It was, it was a close score because we got one of the two exactly as Fred mentioned, but the rebounding just was not up to par. 
No, and it, it wasn't, and I'm sure the team knows that. And it's it's tough. It's been a it's been a struggle all season, and it's it's just hard to see him get it so right some games, especially at home, and then um, just just lose it somehow on the road. And you know, it's hard reading the bounces off rims and stuff like that when it's not your home gym. I get that, but at the end of the day, you know, putting a body on a guy and boxing him out. You know, there were a couple of times that I saw Casey do a great job at that. I give him a shout out. One time, a guy absolutely jumped over his back and did not get called for it. And I think Casey got hit in the head, which is ridiculous, whatever. Anyways, it's not that hard to, to, to find a guy and put a body on him. And if, if it's man, you find your man. If we're going into zone, which, you know, we do occasionally, you got to find somebody close to you and, and just box out. And if we can take care of that, I think, you know, we got a good chance in the rest of our games. Um, yeah, it's just those two bugaboos, you know, turnovers and, and rebounding. You mentioned we went to a zone. We did try a two, three zone for uh two to three to four possessions in there. It worked pretty well in on ball defense, obviously killed us on the glass. I think in that stretch, we gave up six offensive rebounds and maybe even three in one possession. So, you know, solve one problem and, and create another in that side of things. But I actually did kind of like that two, three zone just to switch it up. But again, you know, it's it's pretty easy to see that uh, when you're lacking rebounding ability on the floor to going to zones only going to make that worse. But Mike, I want to throw out the bat signal. Where is Blaze Kata to help in our rebounding efforts? We've been told he's running full court reps. If he's not fully conditioned, that's one thing I understand that. But we don't need him to play starters minutes. We're only asking for eight to ten minutes to give Juwan Gary, Mast, and Alec a blow when needed. We need to get him back on the floor. I think, yeah, I agree with you. I think it'd be a huge upside if, if we do get a chance and he gets back and he can play some minutes. Um, you talk about, you know, him not being fully conditioned. And at a certain point, it's not even about what, how many minutes you can handle before you're tired. It's, you know, if your body and your muscles are conditioned to avoid a re-injury. But if he's running full court at practice, you know, that's that's a great sign. I, I really hold out hope that we'll see him at some point this year because, as we mentioned, you know, he he would help tremendously with rebounding. He would help tremendously um, in case of foul trouble, anything like that. If, you know, we just have another big we can go to. Because right now we're really running, you know, three bigs. Is that, you know, Jawan Gary, Rinkmast, and, and Josiah Alec are really the only big guys that we put in. And, that, you know, that's just going to wear on a team over the course of the season um, and over the course of a game. So um, he'd be a huge addition. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to speak for his, his medical situation. You know, what's going on there? I don't have privy knowledge to that but would be a huge get if, if we managed to get him back here in these last eight games at some point and mike a lot of what we talked about in regards to our illinois preview really came to fruition i thought the numbers show that illinois is a very good offensive rebounding team well there you go they had 17 uh, offensive rebounds the numbers said that illinois is very good at getting to the free throw line as they were they shot 16 more free throw attempts than the Huskers did, but again, that's their play style. So we can, and we'll talk about it here in just a second about the officiating and things like that. But, you know, really Illinois did exactly what we kind of thought they were going to do and playing a lot of ISO ball. They didn't have great assist numbers, assist to turnover ratio, what I meant, 18 assists to 14 turnovers there for the Illini. So, you know, they didn't even take great care of the ball when it comes down to it. But uh, shifting into that ref conversation, as it was a huge spotlight on Twitter, and we'll get into our Twitter mentions later that go into it. It was a t really tough one, Mike. And, and again, we always try to not emphasize officiating just because, again, especially in this one, you look at the offensive rebounding numbers and things like that. If you bring that offensive rebounding number from 17 down to even like 12, you're probably winning that, that basketball game regardless of what happened with the officiating. But that call, signaling out personally, that call at the end of regulation, 
I I struggle to to justify calling that with three seconds on the clock in a one point game. I just didn't feel like that was an egregious enough foul on Wiltshire to send a guy to the line. Obviously, again, at the end of the day, 17 offensive rebounds is the thing you're going to look at for why you lost that game. But the officiating did not help Nebraska's cause whatsoever in this one. And I, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm in the same boat. You know, I'm never going to be one to, to point finger at, oh, we lost because of bad refs, because there are plenty of things the Huskers could have done better to, to win the game. Obviously, you, you mentioned the rebounding. You know, if we take care of the ball a little better, nine turnovers is better. But if, you know, you cut down on those, we make a couple shots. You know, we only shot 42% from the field. So um, you make a couple more shots here or there. It doesn't come down to one call. You know, a call to generate a couple free throws in the first five minutes of this game had the same effect, right? Because it, it, it forced it to OT. But I, you know, I, and I thought watching the game live, you know, I felt that CJ bumped him. He got in his body and maybe you could call the foul. But seeing some of the replays on Twitter this morning, it seemed to me that when he elevated CJ, got a hand on the ball and it was pretty, pretty clean from my view. It's a tough call to make with three seconds left. It is what it is, though. I mean, that's that's the sport of basketball. And, you know, it, it's just a it's a heartbreaking way to basically give up the game. You know, it was on Domask. The dude shoots 90 percent from the line. We were lucky he missed one to even give us a chance in OT. So just incredibly tough, tough situation, especially down the stretch. But, you know, Illinois is they're a very physical team. They, as we mentioned, they generate a lot of free throws. That's kind of what they do. So maybe the refs are more prone to be looking for for that contact for them. Um, obviously they killed us on the boards. They killed us in the paint. You know, they outscored us 40 to 26 in the paint. So that's just their play style. And, and maybe that plays a little bit into it. The refs are a little more prone to blow, to blow the whistle in that situation, but just overall real, real tough situation. Yeah. And what makes this one hurt so bad is that a win down in Champaign would have more or less punched the Huskers ticket barring an unforeseen mega collapse at the end of the season against a bunch of lower level opponents your ticket would have been punched. And that's why it's like you just snatched, well, really you snatched victory from the jaws of defeat and then you snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. So it's just, you know, it's a weird dynamic that way. But that being said, Brad Underwood was very complimentary on Tomonaga, his play style, and believes that Nebraska is an NCAA tournament team. You see his release. You see where he shoots it from. He's he's one of the headiest and smartest players in college basketball. Um, I, I, he had an elite, elite defender guarding him most of the night in Terrence Shannon and still got him off. Then when you pair him, it's not just him, but when you pair him with rank and, and the thing with, with, with Casey is he gets as many twos as he does threes and, uh, he's very efficient finisher, but, um, they can space the floor and, and cause problems. And, and tonight, uh, those shots went down and we were fortunate to withstand it. This is a... This is a really this is you guys this is a really good basketball team. This is an NCAA tournament team that can go and, and win a lot of games. Again, Brad Underwood very complimentary after his team nearly loses a shocker in a ten point spread game. Nebraska again falls eighty seven to eighty four in overtime. Nebraska shoots forty three percent from the field on twenty nine of sixty eight. 43% from beyond the arc going 12 of 28 makes all of their free throws going 14 for 14 on hundred percent free throw shooting and has 12 assists to nine turnovers. Illinois on the other side shoots 41% from the field on 29 of 70 attempts, 26 from deep going nine of 34, 67% from the stripe going 20 of 30 and the Illini notch 18 assists to 14 turnovers. So we've shared our thoughts on the game. Let's hear what everybody had to say on Twitter. So Husker fans, let's hear from you. But before we get into that, Mike, I believe you have an ad read to share. 
I do have an ad read to share. This segment is brought to you by Tax and Business Consultants. Tax time is here, so trust the team that has taken the stress out of taxes since 1961. Tax and Business, your one-stop shop for all things tax, bookkeeping, and payroll. Their offices are located in Blair, Columbus, and Lyons, so give them a call at 402-426-4144 or visit their website at www.tbc.tax. That is T as in Tomanaga, B as in Bryce Williams, and C as in CJ Wilcher, dot tax. Once again, that phone number is 402-426-4144. So give them a call and go Big Red. I want to thank everybody, as always, out at Tax and Business Consultants for sponsoring the show. If you or somebody you know would like to sponsor a segment of the show, reach out to us on Twitter at Scarlet Shoot Pod via DM or email us at scarletshootaround at gmail. Okay, Mike, let's get into it. NU Husker Hoops leads us off by saying this one hurts, but Nebraska's always had trouble in Illinois. This team is tough, probably tougher than any that I've watched. Any of six different guys can be the guy on any given night. Love watching them play as a team and figure it out, win or lose, and they're still going to win a lot more games this season. And I think he really puts it into perspective. Illinois and Champaign is a very, very tough place to win. I think Maryland maybe off the top of my head, I think maybe Tennessee got them or something in the non-con, but it's, this is a really hard place to win guys. Illinois leads the big 10 and win percentage in conference over the last five years. So, you know, the 10 point spread was very evident of that. This is a hard place to win. And the Huskers gave it their all. Great, great team. Um, tough place to play. You know, the, the, the guys gave, gave it their all, as you mentioned, I thought really incredible in the second half. Um, I think everybody and their, and their grandma knew that, Illinois is going to come out. They had been struggling from deep, so they're going to come out and pound the paint, and that's exactly what they did. Turned a two-point deficit into a seven-point lead very early in the second half, and the guys didn't fold. Stuck around, clawed back, you know, got pushed to 10 there towards the end of the game. Answered with an 11-1 run to force OT, so um, incredible heart from the guys. They they just never quit, and I know, you know, in, in a couple other games this season on the road, it seems like the energy and the, the drive wasn't there, but there was no lack of energy or drive or heart or grit or whatever word you want to use to describe um, this team. They definitely played well enough to win, just unfortunate breaks down the end and, and they couldn't pull it out. But what a, what a performance from the guys, really. I, I couldn't be more proud of them. Jackson Cortina says rebounding was the big difference in this one. Impressed with the effort. Officiating wasn't great, but wasn't the sole reason Nebraska lost. Good to see Casey back in a rhythm. Hopefully he goes on a similar run that he did the last February to close out these last eight games. And again, as we mentioned earlier, everybody can point to officiating. And obviously in the heat of the moment, that's kind of the go-to right after in the post game, right? People want to talk about stuff that call it the interregulation, obviously going to have a big spotlight, but rebounding again, Mike, as we talked about a similar issue, but Casey, if Casey can come back to, to scoring what we know he's capable of scoring in that high teens, low twenties region. The 30 point bomb is, a, is obviously great. Not, I don't think fair to expect every night, especially the way defenses play him. But when K-State plays like this, Mike, there's nobody in the country that we can't beat. You're, you're absolutely spot on. If, if he's contributing, as you mentioned, you know, high teens, low twenties, um, you know, shoot, even, even mid teens. Cause we got a lot more guys around him this year that can contribute and, and put the bucket or the ball in the bucket. But just getting some positive, yeah, positive out of Casey on the offensive end. Obviously, he played a lot more minutes this game because you ride the hot hand, and it's nice to have the option of multiple hot hands that you can ride. Um, just, just love to see that from him. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully February's you know his his magic month again, and and he gets hot and stays hot. Texas Toast says disappointed with the outcome, but beyond proud of the effort. And Haley Krull 
says Tominaga had his get-back game. It was right in their grasp. That call at the end of regulation seems questionable to me, but it is what it is. No moral victories, and I'm glad it was a close game. And I tweeted this out after the game as well, Mike. There's no moral victories when it comes to chasing an NCAA tournament bid, but if there was ever a game to take positives out of, it is this one in that the Huskers totally flipped the script on what people considered their road toughness, uh, their road ability to take care of the ball. Obviously, rebounding is still an issue within that, but the metrics as well liked uh, Nebraska's performance, Mike, and even in an overtime loss, we went up five, six, seven spots in the predictive metrics across the board. Yeah, and that's been the, you know, talking to T3, you know, previously, you know, it seemed like the predictive metrics are what's kind of been holding the Huskers back as far as like net rating, things like that go. It seems it's funny that an overtime loss can be almost as good as the Wisconsin win at home, but that's kind of what it looks like. You know, we, we got a bump, as you said, mentioned flip the script. You know, I, I think if anybody had any doubt, they just need to go watch the second half um, and watch these guys fight and claw for, for everything in this game. As I'd mentioned, you know, they definitely played well enough to win. Unfortunately, they couldn't pull it out, but it gives me high hopes that, don't call me crazy, but, you know, maybe they can finish out in like an 8-0 run to finish the season here. Something crazy like that, because this team looks really good right now, and they're playing well enough to beat anybody. Danger Cactus says, to say the refs were inconsistent would be the polite way of putting it. Love the fight we saw late in regulation. Still need to rebound better, though. And Rygolf1975 says, extremely proud of this team and extremely disappointed in the Big Ten referees. Pathetic, inconsistent, home court biased. Just a joke. And I will say the, the officiating, frankly, again, was a joke. But I think you can say that while also saying that Nebraska didn't help their own cause, again, in certain aspects of the game, as you talk about rebounding and, and things of the like. But it's just a tough – again, I guess I would tell people to look back at the Wisconsin game and say that not many people commented on the on the officiating in that one, although I think the foul discrepancy was 6 to nothing, like late in the second half. So yeah. you kind of only remember it if it's negatively affecting you and not positively. So – you know, it's it's hard, but sometimes you have to really take a step back and look at the whole body of work of really what we're talking about when it comes to an officiating standpoint. And maybe that's why it's been so tough just in general on the road this season in the Big Ten. It seems like maybe there's some Big Ten um, home cooking. You know, as you mentioned, that Wisconsin game, yeah, in the second half, it was six to zero. Wisconsin had fouls and we had zero. Um, so it's it's a lot better being on the other end. Just sucks. Sucks to, you know, obviously officiating is always going to going to impact the game how they're calling it whether they're going to let them play and be physical or or a tight whistle but as you mentioned just got to take a step back it's one game the officiating's been you know spotty all season and that's just you know that's kind of college sports you're not these aren't you know i shouldn't say that these aren't professionals because the refs are professionals this is their job um but they're not you know it's not the peak of peak of the profession so um you'd hope for some better um and maybe the big 10 can make some changes who knows but uh, it's just something you got to live with. Uh, and as I mentioned, I'm never going to be one to point the finger and say, oh, the refs are the reason we lost. But definitely, definitely need some better um, officiating down the stretch, hopefully, you know, going both ways. Not just not just for the Huskers sake, but um, hate to see any team lose the way the Huskers did, honestly. Husker Adam says Nebraska ball got absolutely robbed by the Big Ten referees worst officiating I've seen all year. And that is a mouthful considering the terrible quality of big 10 refs. So piling on there. And honestly, again, we talk about all these are live right after the game. So emotions run high. And then uh, Brian Edwards says disappointed, but it's not a bad loss. Really? Of course it'd be better if we hadn't lost to Minnesota and Rutgers. And I, I think we look back and even when we did lose to Minnesota on the road there earlier this season, Mike, we even kind of talked about how this is the kind of loss that will follow you throughout the season. And Rutgers now, it's going to follow you throughout the season, not because they're bad losses, but now when you look at the surrounding 
you know, details of it. We now, because we didn't secure either of those wins, we're still chasing this road big 10 win. And it really, as T3 talked about in our last episode is the biggest thing holding this team back. We don't have a complete body of work is what I would say right now, because we are lacking a conference road win. I, I mean, there's no way about it. And it's hard to, I'd imagine it's hard as the committee to say this team didn't win a single game on road in conference. They should be in the tournament playing away from their home floor. Like that's, I'd, I'd imagine that's tough. The, the good thing is we have plenty more opportunities to get some down the stretch. I think we got what the five, five, maybe four. I can't remember off the top of my head, but still plenty of opportunities. Um, as, as we'd mentioned, you know, the, the schedule gets a lot softer here after, you know, the Wisconsin, Illinois, you know, Northwestern still a pretty tough matchup. But after that, it gets relatively soft. So plenty of opportunities to round out that body work, get a couple conference road wins, uh, and come selection Sunday. Hopefully, we're in a pretty good spot. Jalanga Losi says, proud of how the Huskers played. Tomonaga could not miss. It's an encouraging show on the road. And Drew Urban says, this team will kick themselves in the film session for the 50-50 balls and rebounds they didn't secure, which led to second chances for Illinois in the second half. That said, this team is developing grit and toughness and playing with confidence that will serve them well the rest of the year. And Mike, I think the biggest thing, if you're looking for positives to take away from this Illinois game, is it seems to me that the idea that this team is lacking toughness, lacking grit, you can now put to the side. And I think the team showed that even they believe now that they can go on the road and win. And they looked plenty confident enough to do that last night in Champaign. Yeah, it seemed like they had a they had a little bit of an edge to them. Honestly, it's always it's a different experience going in on the road and being the bad guy in the in the arena, right? But um, sometimes you just got to live it up and and have that bit of edge. I think you know, as I had mentioned, you know, they came back from seven down early in the second half, ten down later in the second half. Just never quit. Always, always grinding and clawing, and that's the type of team you know I love to see. I love, I've said it multiple times already. I'm very proud of this team. A lot of their Twitter replies are talking about how proud we are of this team uh, because they did. They they showed that grit and that toughness that, that we've wanted all season on the road. It, it sucks that it couldn't come in a win, but if they play like that against this next Northwestern matchup, I have the utmost faith that they'll be able to pull out the win, honestly. So uh, if they can if they can just keep that level of play at where it is right now, they're in a great spot for to go on a big run down the stretch here in this season. Whizbang Hoop says, much needed K-State bounce back game. We got hosed. We'll probably go up in the metrics because the net is a very serious ranking system. And obviously, as we just mentioned, we did go up in the metrics. So Whizbang Hoops may be a little bit of a, a fortune teller in that realm. David in Lincoln says, time to start Gary over Alec at the beginning of halves. I don't think they go on that run to start the half if he's in. Crazy that you have to play seven or eight points better than the home team just to tie it. Rebounding is also tough when they jump all over our backs. And Mike, is there something to be said for getting Juwan Gary starting in that second half over Alec? Because it feels to me like every time that we've led going into the second half, you look at Rutgers, look at obviously this Illinois data point. Now you look at Minnesota early in the second half, the Huskers seem to fall apart a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel like it's easy to say that, you know, we should put Gary in, but we also have to realize it's only, it's basically a whole new ball game. You know, there's a lot of adjustments from both teams coming out in the second half. So it's not surprising to me if the first four is just completely different before we get to see what they're adjusting to. They're seeing what we're adjusting to um, and things settle down a little bit. I don't know if, you know, Gary should be starting. I'm not, I don't feel, you know, qualified to make that call. He's playing starter minutes at this point anyways, for me. So um, he's playing plenty. I, I'm not, he, I couldn't tell you if he should be starting the second half and preventing these runs, but it's just tough, tough to see him come out and, you know, get a little hole and have to claw back. Uh, like the, like they had to this game, as you mentioned, you know, Rutgers game, Minnesota game, 
um, multiple data points now where hopefully they just, you know, find a way to come out a little bit hotter and, and make a couple shots and just keep right around tied and not, not have a hole to climb out of, you know, five, 10 minutes into the second half. And the start of that second half spelled doom for the Huskers at, as Illinois went on a 13 to four run with 10 of those 13 points coming directly underneath the hoop, forcing Nebraska to play from behind the entirety of the second half up until obviously they took the lead with uh, eight seconds left there at the end of regulation. Sam Hoiberg fan uh, says not a terrible loss, but we get, but we get over it and prepare for Wednesday. We have one last opportunity at a quad one road win that can make it much easier to make it into the tourney. Now, Technically, theoretically, Ohio State is a quad one win, but again, as we've talked about, they're on a tailspin, so uh, they'll be kind of right on the margin of whether or not they'll be a quad one when we get to that point. And then rounding us out, Joel Schaefer says, Brad Underwood is a terrible coach. Hawkins is insufferable. The refs were abysmal. We needed more from CJ and Bryce, but good to see Casey bounce back. I firmly believe that we're the fourth best team in the Big Ten. And Mike, I suppose a lot of that fourth place the Big Ten team type of talk is going to be determined here Wednesday in Evanston as... Uh, some bracketologists, I believe NKY I tweeted tonight, has both of them on that 10 seed line right in the middle there. So the winner should build themselves some goodwill and the loser is going to be right firmly on the smack of the bubble talk. No, I think you're, you're spot on this, this game against Northwestern. They're another team right where we're at in the season. You know, they have a big win over Purdue like we do. You know, they've, they've been super consistent. They've, they've been great this whole season, which, you know, credit to them. But yeah, if, if we're jostling for that kind of fourth place, which, it's crazy to talk about thinking back to the, you know, the season preview. I'm like, oh man, if we're in the eighth place conversation, I might be happy, but there's a legitimate conversation to be had. And I, as you mentioned, I think that will be determined on the road here. If we can finish off this, you know, season sweep against Northwestern, take this one in Evanston. Uh, I think that firmly cements us as kind of that fourth best team as it stands in the conference. And I don't see how there'd be a big discussion about it, to be honest. So I want to thank all of you again for sharing your thoughts. If you'd like to partake on this segment, make sure you reply to our tweet at the end of every game after the final buzzer asking Huskers, what were your reactions to X win or X loss? And we take all of those replies, conglomerate the best ones and make sure that we put them onto the show. And when we win a game for those new listeners, as we've gotten quite an explosion in Twitter followers over the past week or so, if you're new to our show, anytime we win a Big Ten game, we have a sweatshirt giveaway. Now, obviously, because we lost Illinois, we do not have that for this one, but hopefully that we have one. Uh, Thursday after the Northwestern game. And that being said, we'll transition into our Northwestern preview on the other side of the break. You are listening to the Scarlet Shootaround Podcast. Okay, Mike, let's get into this Northwestern preview. They are 15-7 and seven on the year, 6-5 and five in conference. Ken Palm has them slotted at 49th. Net rankings, they check in at 58th. They're fourth currently in the Big Ten standings as we sit here Monday night. Notable wins for the Wildcats include number two, Purdue at home, 92-88 to 88 in overtime earlier this season. The only other team in the country to beat Purdue in this regular season. Number 10, Illinois at home, 96-91 to 91 in overtime. Uh, a little bit earlier this year, maybe a week or two ago, and then number 56, Ohio State at home, 83-58. to 58. Notable losses for the Wildcats include losing to number two, Purdue, on the road in a nail-biter, 105-96 to 96 in overtime, where I believe Purdue shot like 30 more free throws than Northwestern did, which is a very interesting uh, comment on note of the refs as of late. Uh, number 76, Minnesota on the road. They are coming off a loss, 75-66 to 66 in overtime up in Minneapolis. And the last time these teams met, uh, they lost to number 46, 
Nebraska on the road, 75 to 69. So Mike, this team is 33rd nationally and fourth in the conference on offense, 92nd nationally, 13th in the conference on defense. What about this team sticks out to you? As I just mentioned, they're very similar, at least their resume, very similar to the Huskers. They got a big win over Illinois. They got a big win over Purdue, just like we kind of have big home wins over Purdue and Wisconsin. The the thing that sticks out to me about this team and how they play, they're very slow, which I feel like I say that about every team in the Big Ten. <laughs> it's kind of funny, but they're very slow, you know, 334th in tempo um, in the country. That's only 11th in the conference, so... Yeah, uh, the the Big Ten is a little bit slow as far as uh, conferences go, but they play very slow. But they're they're really efficient. You know, we we'll talk about some players in a bit, but um, you know, thirtieth nationally in effective field goal percent. Um, they take care of the ball. Thirteenth nationally in turnover percent on the offensive side, and they shoot the three really well. Um, you know, Boo Booey's obviously going to get a lot of the talk, but last time we played, you know, Brooks Barnheiser had his at the time career high. I don't know if he surpassed that. Um, you know, he's, he shoots well beyond the arc, uh, Langborn shoots well beyond the arc, Ty Berry shoots well beyond the arc. So very much another team kind of like Nebraska there. They want to shoot the three. Um, they, they play a little bit slower than, than we generally do, but they got the, they got the shooters to space the floor and they're going to challenge the Huskers on that end. You mentioned Northwestern's three point shooting ability, Mike. It's really fascinating. The Wildcats boast the fifth seventh, eighth, and 11th best three-point shooters individually in conference on this Wildcats squad. So a lot of different guys that can hurt you, highlighted obviously by all Big Ten point guard Boo Booey, the 6'2 senior, averaging 19, 4, and 6, shooting 44% from the field, 40% from deep. He only had nine points, zero rebounds, and seven assists his last time out in Lincoln. Uh, his three-point shot is up four points since the last time we played him, so he's been lighting it up uh, as the season has progressed. And in Lincoln, he only went one of six from deep and two of 15 from the field. He's complimented by their shooting guard, Ty Berry, a 6'3 senior, averaging 12, 4, and 1, shooting 46% from the field, a very nice 43% from deep. Again, he also was held in check, only scoring six, three rebounds, and one assist last time out in Lincoln. We shut him down well. He went two of 10 from the field, two of eight from three. And Mike, I got to expect that those numbers are going to go up at home. I mean, you'd you'd anticipate these guys are too good to be to be held down like like the Huskers did to them last game. So, I don't be surprised if they come back and they they have quite a few you know makes they they score quite a few more points. The big answer to me is if um, we can stop the others. You know, I had mentioned Barnheiser, um, Langborn. Last time we played, Barnheiser had twenty four points, uh, seven for ten from two, two of five from three. Uh, and then Langborn showed 40%, four for 10 from beyond the arc last time these teams played in, in Lincoln. So if we're going to give up points to Barry and Bowie, which wouldn't be surprising, we got to make sure that we do the job on Langborn and Barnheiser, you know, got to lock them down. We can't be having multiple guys having good shooting nights or else it's going to be a long night on the defensive end. Of note between Langborg and Barnheiser, defensively, they both had four steals. Barnheiser added two blocks along a monster stat line of 24 points, seven rebounds, and four assists last time they played in Lincoln. So going to be a couple tough matchups. We'll see how Fred schemes up a defense to make sure uh, we limit those guys as best we can while making sure that Bowie and Barry are held under their averages. Now, rounding out the Wildcats offensively, Mike, they are an awful rebounding team, but most specifically on the offensive side, they're 305th nationally and last in the conference in offensive rebounding percentage. Now, that being said, I think it plays to Nebraska's advantage on the rebounding side as rebounding is obviously, uh, as mentioned many times, 
been an issue for the Huskers on the road. But Mike, this team also does not get to the free throw line much. They're 307th nationally and 12th in conference in free throws attempted or field goals attempted. And even when they get to the line, they don't shoot them very well either. They're 160th nationally and ninth in the conference in free throw percentage. So a couple spots here of maybe Husker advantage against the Northwestern offense. Yeah, I mean, it remains to be seen if we can rebound on the road. As you mentioned, it's it's been something we've talked about the entire season. But if there's one team kind of as a get right game or, or we can do something to improve that it's definitely against Northwestern. As you mentioned, they're last in the conference in, in offensive rebounding percent. So they're not going to get a lot of second chance points. You would hope as, as compared to what we saw against Illinois. So yeah, big, big opportunity for the Huskers, you know, to, to come in, start securing those rebounds, securing missed shots. Um, if, if they do happen to be missing shots, as we mentioned, and fantastic shooting team, you know, they're number one in the conference in conference play. They're shooting 44% from three. So they're not, they haven't been missing a lot in conference from beyond the arc. Uh, But when they do, it's, it's vital that we pull down the boards because you don't want to give them second chances. They're going to find another open look and and more than likely they're not going to miss two in a row. Now we talked about offensively, they have some pretty scary numbers being first in the conference in three point shooting defensively. They're not much of a worry, Mike. They're going to do exactly what they've done all year and what they did against us last game here in Lincoln. They play super aggressively. They're 40th nationally and third in the conference in defensive turnover percentage. They're 55th nationally and third in conference in steal percentage, forcing 18 against the Huskers last time. But they're an even worse defensive team than Nebraska is. And and obviously Nebraska is not known for their defense this season. They're 261st nationally and last in the conference in defensive effective field goal percentage and 312th nationally and 13th in conference in three-point defense, 192nd national and 12th in conference in two-point defense. So, Mike, their on-ball defense, for lack of a better term, is awful. Yeah, not very great. And just just to give, you know, some, you said 13th in conference and defensive three-point shooting. I mentioned they're shooting 44%. Opponents are shooting 39% from three. So um, not not great, as you mentioned, on-the-ball defenders. Uh, they they give up a ton of free throws. You know, part of that might be because Purdue shot 45 of them or however many it was, you know, two games ago, end of January when they played. But they, you know, on defensive end, they actually give up the most percentage of points in the conference from free throws. So if we're if we're going to drive and we're going to draw contact, it's a great opportunity for us. I know we don't have necessarily the a lot of guys that can do that, but I think about a Jawan Gary, a Bryce Williams, you know, t- typically likes to pull up a little bit more, but he definitely has the ability to go to the hoop. You know, it, if we can work rank inside, I don't want us to fall in love with the three. Obviously, they're not great at defending the three, but they're not great at defending anywhere. And if we can go inside, you know, they don't go very deep. They're 342nd in the country in bench minutes. So it seems like I say this all the time because it's, you know, it's kind of generic. But if you can get them to foul trouble, this is got, that's going to hurt this team more than your typical team because they do not go to the bench hardly at all. It's going to be Boo Booey and Ty Berry and Langborn and Barnheiser. And then, you know, a Martinelli or, or a Luke Hunger or, so, you know, whoever their fifth is. But it's going to be those four guys. If we can get, you know, somebody any one of those four into foul trouble, it's going to dramatically improve our, our chances. And playing into that, Mike, opposing offenses are picking apart the Northwestern defense. They're 330th nationally and 11th in the conference in defensive assists per field goal made. So I think a lot of teams are having success driving in against that Northwestern defense and kicking it out. Key being, obviously, as you mentioned, if we can get them into foul trouble, this team is very, very, probably the most shallow uh, team from a bench standpoint that we'll see all year. So very, very 
uh, much needs to be an emphasis to try your absolute best to get Gary, to get Bryce Williams, to get rink mass going downhill and try to get some fouls on some of their big four amongst Bowie, Barry, Langborg, and Barnheiser. Now, Mike Ken Pomp's projecting this to a 75-72 Northwestern win. Torvik projecting a 75-71 Wildcat win. Let's put this projected spread at Northwestern minus three. Where are you heading here? I'm going to I'm going to take the Huskers. I'm going to take the Huskers. I think this is the the chance. This is finally the opportunity. They're going to get the monkey off their back. They're going to secure a massive, you know, quad one road win. Uh, and the, the metrics are going to love it from us. I think the Huskers are going to abuse the, the defense for the for Northwestern. I think we're going to key in, as you mentioned, Northwestern caused 18 turnovers the last time these teams played in Lincoln. I would not be surprised if it is getting drilled into our guys to take care of the ball, because that's the only way I think this Northwestern team is going to beat us is if we gave up the ball that many times again, the last couple of games, there's been some lazy passes out of the top of the key for, you know, breakaway layups. Chucky Hepburn had two. Um, I think it was Hawkins had one last game. If we can take care of the ball, get into our offense, don't give them free, easy transition looks where they can generate high quality shots. I like the Huskers. I think we're going to score plenty. To, to, to win this game. I think we'll do a good enough job on defense. Uh, I like the Huskers winning 79-72. I'm actually going to take Nebraska in the spread as well, but I'm going to take a Northwestern win here, Mike. So I'm going to take the Nebraska plus three points. I think Northwestern, as we talked about, fouls a ton and free throw shooting is actually one of our strengths. So I think that plays well into what the Huskers are trying to do as well as Northwestern having a short bench. They want to play a shootout style game, Mike, and I think that's kind of what Fred Hoiberg wants to do in general, especially with our defensive inability at times to rebound and defend on ball. So I think that actually, again, Northwestern plays very well into what we want to do in some aspects. But obviously, as you mentioned, the key to this game is turnovers. I think if we have nine or fewer turnovers, I really like our chances in this one as we were lucky to even escape Lincoln with a win giving them 18 turnovers and holding. I mean, we, the only reason we won that game is because we held their stars to going four of 25 from the field in Bowie and, and Barry. So again, can't expect that again. So the turnover numbers are going to have to come down. I'm going to predict an 81 to 79 Northwestern win here on a last possession shot. That being said, Nebraska gets a cover, but like we said, no moral victories and this is not betting advice. So, uh, and of note, I must mention, I wrote at the bottom of my notes here, Chicago State uh, is the only team that has had the guts to go into Welsh Ryan Arena and win this year. So Nebraska can join the likes of the highly regarded Chicago State. I don't even know what their mascot is, like Wildcats or Bobcats or something. But regardless, Nebraska going to uh, battle here for a much-needed road win uh, in this uh, trip up to Evanston. So we will get you out of here on the other side of the break. You are listening to the Scarlet Shootaround Podcast. Okay, Mike. Well, this is probably most likely the last quad one opportunity that the Huskers have remaining on the schedule. So really uh, very important that they give this their absolute best shot. This would be a huge win as we head down the home stretch of our soft schedule. Absolutely. As you mentioned, the Chicago State Cougars is is their mascot. So big opportunity to join the Cougars with a massive dub um, at Northwestern. I, I As I mentioned in, in my takeaway, I like our chances. I think the guys are playing as well right now. Um, in these last two games, as they have probably all season, I'm sure they're sick and tired of not having these road wins, and I'm sure they hear it, and I'm sure they see it online. So I think they're going to walk in with a chip on their shoulder. I think they're going to come out, and they're going to just fight and dig. You know, I'm, it's a game of runs, and I'm sure Northwestern, uh, they got they got the talent to go on a couple of runs. But I'm confident that our guys are going to respond, and I'm, and I'm confident they're going to walk away with the win, and, and I'm really excited to to see how this matchup ends up. 
Northwestern also coming off back-to-back overtime losses on the road. So maybe we can catch them in a spot where morale may be down a little bit. Um, that being said, Nebraska with a great opportunity here. I don't think Northwestern, as we talked about, matches up well. And this would be a huge win for our resume. And really the only big missing piece we need to uh, really ensure our tournament ticket to be punched as we round out the year. So that being said, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Scarlet Shoot Pod. We post anything as it correlates to the Nebraska basketball season, whether it be injury reports, bracketology updates, obviously our post-game tweets, and we live tweet every game on there as well. So great follow on Twitter. On YouTube at Scarlet Shoot Pod, Mike posts the YouTube videos, and that's obviously been a little bit of a, a crazy, hectic deal now that we've been on a very quick turn and run of events. So I always want to thank Mike for the hard work he does on that side of things. And on Instagram at Scarlet Shoe Pod, we post anything where the podcast may be, again, correlated with the Husker basketball program, mostly with sweatshirts and things like that. So Mike, this is a really big one. Let's make sure we take care of business, have a great opportunity to, to really finalize that resume as we head into March. For myself, Blake, and co-host Mike, go Big Red. Go Big Red, baby. Yeah.